Welcome to Living Hope Podcasts. If you want to learn more about Living Hope and our ministries, you can find us online at livinghopecrc.ca. We hope you appreciate today's message. I invite you now to open up your Bibles. Uh, We're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 4, I believe is on page 1821. Uh, We're going to be reading verses 17 through... Um, 32, and we're also going to be reading in um, Exodus chapter 20, which is on page 118. Uh, Today we're continuing in our series, uh, looking at the second tablet of the Ten Commandments, and looking at what type of freedom that they guide us towards, What, what are these commandments aiming us towards in God's good intention for creation. Let's begin with reading Ephesians chapter 4. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity... They have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you have learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to the former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by evil or deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to be putting on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin, and do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Those who have been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only that is useful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Exodus chapter 20. Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. The word of the Lord. Be to God. Words uh, create worlds. Words 
uh, once released from your mouth, take on a life of their own. We can imagine every sentence, every phrase bubbling out of your mouth and floating and just existing there, each with its own terrain, its own contours. Some are fresh and nourishing, uh, this dull green with moss covering it. Others are earthy and fresh, like soil, ready for young plants to grow. As, as these worlds come out, they have the ability to nourish, to provide real nourishment to whoever we see and wherever we go. Words create worlds. In Genesis chapter 1, there's this poem where God creates the world and he speaks, and through his word, all things come into being. God's words are agents of creation and order. When God speaks, all of its creation and its beauty and diversity comes into being. The creation story also includes humanity. God names them as image bearers, those who are meant to continue in God's creative work, bringing God's beauty into the world. Humanity is given the ability to speak and the authority to name things, to utter the same sorts of sounds that are inherent to creation itself. Words can create ideas that seem to have life and breath of their own. They have the ability to inspire wonder, to name beauty present, to prop others up, to encourage, and to help towards growth. Words create worlds. Other words as they form and, and escape from your mouth are uninhabitable lands. They are not meant for care and growth, but for destruction. These are, are the types of words that, that omit a bit of a stench. You can kind of smell them before you can see them. Burning hot, bringing chaos and disorder, meant for hurt and pain. These words can come from people that allow their sour feelings to fester, people who harbor anger and bitterness, people whose fear gets the best of them. When you go with things undealt with, the sort of words that come out aren't these nourishing and, and green landscapes, but instead toxic heaps that tragically, as they, they bump and collide with the other worlds out there, tarnish them, infecting and infesting them. They twist what is meant to prop up and to help grow. Words create worlds with real power. To speak something out loud is to suggest a reality. Whether it is true or not, words make a claim. They float there in the open, impacting all around them. Did you ever wish words didn't work like that? That after words come out, you wish that you could put them back in, uh, that you could go out there and kind of break them apart, or that they were kind of like bubbles that you could just pop them and that wouldn't impact the people around you. But that's not how words work. Once they're out there, they are out. And they can do their damage just as they have the ability to create and to build up, they have the ability to tear down and to destroy. 
Now, with, with so much importance on words, it's no surprise when we look at the Bible, we look at the New Testament, we find that there is much to say on the types of words that we use. James, in James chapter 3, compares our tongues to the rudder of a ship. This alludes to how such a large vessel that's, that's pushed around by wind and such strong forces can actually be directed by something so small. He uses other images. One of them is how a spark can grow into an entire forest fire. James uses these visual images to describe the destructive power that words can bring. Words, once released, can bring a real impact. Words have the ability to demonstrate what's happening internally and within us. They can bring chaos and fears with them and unleash them into the world. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 12, has a line where he says, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Jesus makes a connection between what comes out of our mouths and what is in our hearts. Whatever we think that words are, we cannot claim that they are any small matter. Part of their impact is their power to be able to communicate what's really happening within us. They reveal both our loves and our fears. So the Christian call in the midst of this, then, is, is to steward our words well, to use our words towards truth. It, it names that words can go out and tear down and destroy, and that is not the way it's supposed to be. While they can create real damage, that is not the true and lasting intent for creation. The Christian call is to stand up in contrast to this. It's to bring words that lead towards wholeness and towards peace. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4 again and, and see the language that it uses towards how we use our words. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. Do not let any unwholesome talk Come out of your mouth, but only that is helpful for building up others according to their needs, that it may benef benefit those who listen. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Speech, uh, how we talk to each other, and about one another is important. Paul repeatedly points towards how we speak of each other in this passage of Ephesians, one that we've been turning back towards uh, throughout our series in the Ten Commandments. And in this section, this comes right after we see some language towards the putting off of the old self and putting on of the new Right after talking about putting off the old self, he also says to put off falsehood. There's that intentional repetition there. There's something about the falsehood that we can speak that is about the 
false self. Paul is talking about what it means to conform ourselves in the likeness of Christ and what it means to be a disciple. And he says these words, when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance to the truth of who Je- or that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to the former way of life to put off your old self, which was being corrupted by deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, to put on the new self, created to be like God in righteousness and in holiness. Uh, the, the person who has been made new is being made like God in righteousness and holiness. And, and the way that they talk is even different. They imitate God. They, they imitate the one whose words create and bless and promise. That is why when people who are being formed into Jesus' likeness are not slandering others, they don't demean others, they speak truthfully, and they do not have unwholesome talk come out of their mouths. In fact, they speak to build each other up. The Christ-shaped person does not start their sentences with words like, you'll never amount to, or you've always been, with the intent of cutting others down. We don't disparage others with the intent of bringing down, but are to be witnesses to truth. Something that, that God's people have always meant to be about. In the Ten Commandments, we, we have this kind of top ten list of some of the important ways in which we are to be God's followers. And it includes this line. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Your words, the worlds that you create when you speak about another person, are to be truthful. And that is, um, at face value, in this context, it's talking about the, a court case scenario. It's talking about the justice system here. It speaks of the integrity that people are meant to hold in society. They are not to pervert justice. They are to give witness in ways that aren't just for personal gain or just to tear other people down. This is imagining a type of society where honesty prevails and people don't have to live under the fear of being falsely accused. The Heidelberg Catechism, which we we talked about earlier and we've been using as as a guide in understanding some of these teachings, isn't content with keeping it in a court case scenario, though. It goes well beyond it to see what is God's will for this, or as it puts it, what what is the aim of the Ninth Commandment? What, What is it directing us towards? The aim of the ninth commandment is that I never give false testimony against anyone, twist no one's words, nor gossip or slander, nor join in condemning anyone rashly without a hearing. How easy is it to to twist someone else's words, especially when you disagree with them or you, you want to make them look foolish? especially when they're not around to defend themselves. This this command demands that we take words seriously. And more than that, 
We, we are not to gossip or to slander. It's not even taking other people's words out of context or anything like that, but even using words against someone. It bans any slandering or speaking ill of people in order that we see less of them. Now, when the Catechism talks about this, it points us back towards Genesis 2 and 3, the creation account and the recall that sin entered the world through the deception of the snake, that it's through lies and deceit that the devil uses, that tears down others. The bearing of false witness is nothing short of of this demonic sort of activity that is worthy of judgment. In contrast to the the forming of flourishing, the creative capacity and unleashing the beauty of words and language, we have lies that destroy, that tear apart worlds and cause damage. And, And we know that damage, right? You've spoken words before that go out of your mouth and pass across the room and and enter into someone else's ears into a place where we cannot see. You've seen the heartbreak or disappointment. You've seen words of retaliation come back towards you. What's more, it's nearly a sure thing that you've also had words echo in your own head. You've had this happen to you. You've experienced toxic words, people speaking lies about who you are and your worth, and you've repeated them to yourself. You you know those words of accusation, if you're like most of us. What does it mean to not let the toxic words win? What does it mean to not have lies break us apart? Well, one thing that we can turn towards is truth itself, the one who is truth. To hear from the one whose creative words formed the cosmos and whose words still bring all things into being. We listen to the word. The word become flesh. The one who ushered in a new creation through his life, death, and resurrection We listen to what God speaks of you, that you are a child adopted into the family of God, that you are loved, that you are forgiven, that you are called into this family of brothers and sisters in Christ to be God's partner people in a new creation. And this is the foundation of the truest self that you can be, that you are beloved. We begin by listening to the word to allow God's word to form you, to to inform what your core identity is. And all that is to say, God's word is meant to reframe our worlds. It It sends us off to be people of new creation who to take the the image that I started with, we we speak words that create worlds of beauty and truth, ones that we are to behold with wonder, 
We are to speak words of nourishment, of health, of love, and life for others. So what what can this look like for us? What, What are some practical ways in which we do this? Five different suggestions here. The first, we remember that words create worlds. And we take great care in the words that we speak to our children. Are we giving person-forming words that encourage and build up? Second, We remember that words can collide and cause hurt and harm. We take great care that when we are speaking to people, that we know that where they are coming from and how our words sound to them. Third, uh, turning back to Ephesians, uh, looking at how the passage that we read finishes. I think one of the most powerful and most beautiful, but also one of the most challenging form of words are words of forgiveness. Our passage finishes, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Forgiveness is is when you have every right to hold something against someone and not doing it. Uh, Forgiveness is when the the scales are tipped against someone else and you choose not to hold those things against them which you could. The act of forgiveness absorbs the destructiveness of words and actions, the pain that they can bring, and refuses to allow it to break relationships. Four. Uh, Just before this, in that same paragraph, we have the call towards words of encouragement. It says here that we are to be building each other up. We are to be a people who speak words that build up in contrast to a world that manipulates, coerces, lies, and exaggerates. We are meant to speak truthful words with gentleness, so that people become more of what God has meant them to be. What would it look like if we were a community that was known for its encouragement? You can think even the the thinking of you cards that we have in our pews. What could it mean to intentionally seek ways that we can encourage others? We can also use words like, we miss you, I'm happy to see you, or welcome types of uh, those earthy words, nourishing words, words that give a sense of belonging and flourishing that we're made for. Fifth, and lastly, what would it mean to practice listening? Being attentive to the words and the worlds that are created. To stop and admire the beauty of words that are truthful and good, to pause and notice the fear that may linger behind words that are hurtful and harmful, 
to see the falseness of those words that are meant for tearing apart? What would it mean to allow others to speak words, to practice silence, to allow people to bring their words forward, to see that the timid person may have something beautiful and rich, a word that may feel fragile to put out there in the open. Sometimes silence gives that space for new words to form, to bond, to be thought of. So as you consider which of those, or maybe it's more than one, uh, that may be for you, uh, let's also turn to God in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your life-giving word. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see what you have to say to us. May we know that we are forgiven, that we are loved, that we are sent. Send us from here to be sensitive to the power inherent in words, that we may see the capacity for joy and beauty and growth when we speak and hear well. Where words have caused hurt, work in our hearts. Move us towards reconciliation that we may bear witness to you in your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope that you are encouraged and challenged in the message and through the work of the Spirit. Once again, if you want to learn more about Living Hope, you can find us online at livinghopecrc.ca.